Today is April 4th. This is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer, and I am blessed to be spending this time with you. Blessed because we're learning and growing together, and prayerfully, we're living differently. We're living more intentionally. We are on a very specific kind of journey that is precise in its structure, but expansive in its potential for transformation. I come here every single day anticipating something. I come with a spirit of expectation, and I hope that you are too, because there's an energy to the Word of God that is dynamic and invigorating and appealing and attractive. It just draws you in. The truth of the Word is personal and yet universal. It has the ability to change us and our realities in ways that are unimaginably beautiful and powerfully life-giving. Its significance, the significance of the word, it exists outside of time and beyond space, and yet wrap your head around this can be retained or contained within our hearts and minds, always present and available for our use and our good. I can talk about this all day, but I also can't talk about this all day because we got work to do. It's Tuesday of Holy Week in keeping with our calendar, and this is the day when Jesus faced various challenges from the religious leaders. They were questioning his authority and trying to trap him with their questions, and it's also when he predicted his own betrayal and crucifixion. There's certainly a heaviness to this week as Jesus' impending fate is drawing near. He's about to be abandoned by his brothers and feel forsaken by his father. And while we're all familiar with the story, let's not become complacent with it or desensitized to the pain and the suffering he had to endure this week. Okay, that's enough non-commentary for this intro. Let's flow, feast, and be fed. Deuteronomy chapters 26 and 27, contemporary English version. Give the Lord the first part of your harvest. Moses said to Israel, The Lord is giving you the land, and soon you will conquer it, settle down, and plant crops. And when you begin harvesting each of your crops, the very first things you pick must be put in a basket. Take them to the place where the Lord your God chooses to be worshipped, and tell the priest, Long ago, the Lord our God promised our ancestors that he would give us this land, and today I thank him for keeping his promise and giving me a share of the land. The priest will take the basket and set it in front of the Lord's altar. Then, standing there in front of the place of worship, you must pray. My ancestor was homeless, an Aramean who went to live in Egypt. There were only a few in his family then, but they became great and powerful, a nation of many people. The Egyptians were cruel and had no pity on us. They mistreated our people and forced us into slavery. We called out for help to you, the Lord God of our ancestors. You heard our cries. You knew we were in trouble and abused. Then you terrified the Egyptians with your mighty miracles and rescued us from Egypt. You brought us here and gave us this land rich with milk and honey. Now, Lord, I bring to you the best of the crops that you have given me. After you say these things, place the basket in front of the Lord's altar and bow down to worship him. 
then you and your family must celebrate by eating a meal at the place of worship to thank the Lord your God for giving you such a good harvest. And remember to invite the Levites and the foreigners who live in your town. 10% of the harvest. Moses said to Israel, Every year you are to give 10% of your harvest to the Lord, but every third year this 10% must be given to the poor who live in your town, including Levites, foreigners, orphans, and widows. That way they will have enough to eat. Then you must pray, Our Lord and our God, you have said that 10% of my harvest is sacred. I have obeyed your command and given this to the poor, including the Levites, foreigners, orphans, and widows. I have not eaten any of this sacred food while I was in mourning. In fact, I never touched it when I was unclean, and none of it has been offered as a sacrifice to the spirits of the dead. I have done everything exactly as you commanded. Our Lord, look down from your temple in heaven and bless us and our land. You promised our ancestors that you would give us this land rich with milk and honey, and you have kept your promise. The Lord is your God, and you are his people. Moses said to Israel, Today the Lord your God has commanded you to obey these laws and teachings with all your heart and soul. In response, you have agreed that the Lord will be your God, that you will obey all his laws and teachings, and that you will listen when he speaks to you. Since you have agreed to obey the Lord, he has agreed that you will be his people and that you will belong to him just as he promised. The Lord created all nations, but he will make you more famous than any of them, and you will receive more praise and honor. You will belong only to the Lord your God, just as he promised. Build an altar on Mount Ebal. Moses stood together with the leaders and told the people of Israel, Obey all the laws and teachings that I am giving you today. Soon you will enter the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. He is the God your ancestors worshipped, and he has promised that this land is rich with milk and honey. After you cross the Jordan River, go to Mount Ebal, set up large slabs of stone, then cover them with white plaster and write on them a copy of these laws. At this same place, build an altar for offering sacrifices to the Lord your God. But don't use stones that have been cut with iron tools. Look for stones that can be used without being cut. Then offer sacrifices to please the Lord, burning them completely on the altar. Next. Offer sacrifices to ask the Lord's blessing and serve the meat at a sacred meal where you will celebrate in honor of the Lord. Don't forget to write out a copy of these laws on the stone slabs that you are going to set up. Make sure that the writing is easy to read. Curses on those who disobey. Moses stood together with the priests and said, Israel, be quiet and listen to me. Today you have become the people of the Lord your God. So you must obey his laws and teachings that I am giving you. That same day, Moses gave them the following instructions. After you cross the Jordan River, you will go to Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. The tribes of Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benjamin will go up on Mount Gerizim, where they will bless the people of Israel. The tribes of Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali will go up on Mount Ebal, where they will agree to the curses. 
The people of the Levi tribe will speak each curse in a loud voice. Then the rest of the people will agree to that curse by saying, Amen. Here are the curses. We ask the Lord to put a curse on anyone who makes an idol or worships idols, even secretly. The Lord is disgusted with idols. We ask the Lord to put a curse on all who do not show respect for their father and mother. We ask the Lord to put a curse on anyone who moves the rocks that mark property lines. We ask the Lord to put a curse on anyone who tells blind people to go the wrong way. We ask the Lord to put a curse on anyone who keeps the poor from getting justice, whether these poor are foreigners, widows, or orphans. We ask the Lord to put a curse on any man who sleeps with his father's wife. That man has shown no respect for his father's marriage. We ask the Lord to put a curse on anyone who has sex with an animal. We ask the Lord to put a curse on any man who sleeps with his sister or his half-sister or his mother-in-law. We ask the Lord to put a curse on anyone who commits murder, even when there are no witnesses to the crime. We ask the Lord to put a curse on anyone who accepts money to murder an innocent victim. We ask the Lord to put a curse on anyone who refuses to obey his laws. And so, to each of these curses, the people will answer, Amen. Luke chapter 10 verse 38 through chapter 11 verse 13. Martha and Mary. The Lord and his disciples were traveling along and came to a village. When they got there, a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat down in front of the Lord and was listening to what he said. Martha was worried about all that had to be done. Finally, she went to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it bother you that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to come and help me. The Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen what is best, and it will not be taken away from her. Prayer When Jesus had finished praying, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his followers to pray. So Jesus told them, Pray in this way. Father, help us to honor your name. Come and set up your kingdom. Give us each day the food we need. Forgive our sins as we forgive everyone who has done wrong to us. And keep us from being tempted. Then Jesus went on to say, Suppose one of you goes to a friend in the middle of the night and says, Let me borrow three loaves of bread. A friend of mine has dropped in, and I don't have a thing for him to eat. And suppose your friend answers, Don't bother me. The door is bolted, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up to give you something. He may not get up and give you the bread just because you are his friend, but he will get up and give you as much as you need simply because you are not ashamed to keep on asking. So I tell you to ask, and you will receive. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. Everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who searches will find. And the door will be opened for everyone who knocks. Which one of you fathers would give your hungry child a snake if the child asked for a fish? Which one of you would give your child a scorpion if the child asked for an egg? As bad as you are, you still know how to give good gifts to your children. 
but your Heavenly Father is even more ready to give the Holy Spirit to anyone who asks. Psalm 76, a song and a psalm by Asaph for the music leader. Use stringed instruments. God always wins. You, our God, are famous in Judah and honored in Israel. Your home is on Mount Zion, the city of peace. There you destroyed fiery arrows, shields, swords, and all the other weapons. You are more glorious than the eternal mountains. Brave warriors were robbed of what they had taken, and now they lie dead, unable to lift an arm. God of Jacob, when you roar, enemy chariots and horses drop dead in their tracks. Our God, you are fearsome, and no one can oppose you when you are angry. From heaven you announced your decisions as judge, and all who live on this earth were terrified and silent when you took over as judge, ready to rescue everyone in need. Even the most angry people will praise you when you are furious. Everyone, make your promises to the Lord your God and do what you promise. The Lord is fearsome, and all his servants should bring him gifts. God destroys the courage of rulers and kings and makes cowards of them. Proverbs chapter 12, verses 15 through 17. Fools think they know what is best, but a sensible person listens to advice. Losing your temper is foolish. Ignoring an insult is smart. An honest person tells the truth in court, but a dishonest person tells nothing but lies. Okay, wow. So there is, once again, a lot here. Um, so much to say and just not enough, not enough time to say it. Um, what I do want to say, though, is, number one, I am Martha, and I didn't know that I was Martha until today. I am definitely Martha, and I am going to have to meditate on that and sit with that. Another thing that I wanted to point out is that we are, we're moving right along here, and there's this principle that I've been turning over in my mind, and it's related to the overall story that we've been reading about in the Old Testament. I want to share it with you because I've been thinking about it, and I believe that we can learn something very useful from the story of the children of Israel and God's promises to them and what it was going to take for them to get the promise. God's promises are not always easy to obtain. He promises the Israelites a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of abundance and prosperity. But what he did not promise them is that it would be easy. He did not promise them that they wouldn't face any opposition or resistance. He didn't promise them that they would not have to fight for what was theirs. He did not promise them that they could live however they wanted to live and still expect to get the promise. We saw everything that they had to say amen to today. The land that God promised them was already occupied by other nations, nations that were stronger and more numerous than them. These nations had fortified cities and advanced weapons. They were also nations that worshiped false gods and practiced wickedness. The Israelites, on the other hand, were a ragtag militia. They weren't trained fighters, Moses was, because he grew up in an Egyptian household, but the rest of them didn't have this background. They knew how to fight. So they were at a huge disadvantage, militarily speaking, and remember, 
They spent all this time in the wilderness, but they were still learning how to live as a civilization. That was the reason for all of these laws and prescriptions to set them apart as holy, yes, for them to be the standard, yes, but also to teach them how to live a life, how to live a righteous and holy life and a civilized life. The Israelites had to listen to God's voice and obey his commands. They had to listen and love, trust and obey. They had to trust in God's power and his presence. They had to fight with their courage and also with their faith. If they were going to fulfill the promise that they had been given, that is, secure the land that they'd been promised, they were going to have to overcome significant psychological and physical challenges, as well as overcome a lot of what they had learned and thought in the past. Do y'all see the principle yet? Okay, let me keep talking. God has given us great promises, promises of a better life, of rest and restoration, of forgiveness, of freedom from guilt and shame, of peace and joy, hope and glory. He's promised us salvation and eternal life with him. He's also promised us the abundant life and that he would supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. But what he has not promised us is that it would be easy. He didn't promise us that this life would be without any kind of pain or suffering or anything like that. And I know you may be thinking of the scripture that says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But if you thought that scripture meant you wouldn't have to deal with some stuff, I hate to burst your bubble because the yoke that he's referring to there is the legalistic laws that the Pharisees were burdening the people with back then, making them think that they had to obey all of these laws down to the letter to be right with God. Plus, they had added their own laws to their interpretation of the law. Jesus said that any kind of law-keeping was burdensome because no amount of law-keeping could bridge the gap between our sinfulness and God's holiness. And so if that's what we're thinking, we're going to need to come harder because this won't be easy. Don't doubt yourself now, but Jesus is like, trust me, you need me. This ain't no shoulder with a chip or an ego, but what you think they all mad at me for? Y'all know I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and if they want to see heaven, they're going to have to come through me. Now, for those of us who know Jesus, we have to know that he has not promised us that we would not face any trials or temptations. On the contrary, he tells us in his word to count it all joy when we face trials. He has not promised us that we would not have to fight for what is ours. Like the Israelites, we're going to live in a world presently occupied by other nations. We live in a world that is presently occupied by the enemy and his minions. He is the God of this age and the ruler of this world. He has many followers and allies who deceive and destroy, who hate and harm, who have an agenda and an assignment, which means We are going to face opposition and resistance in our walk with Christ. We got to fight against those forces of darkness that come for us and try to take us away from God's promises. We have to resist that temptation and overcome our own weaknesses and faults. Sometimes it's the enemy in a me. I think I heard Dr. Jamal Bryant say that first. 
This journey right here is not for the faint of heart, not if you want anything out of life and if you plan on living for Christ, but just like the Israelites, we also have God on our side. He's given us his Holy Spirit to guide us and empower us. He's given us his word to instruct us and encourage us. He's given us his love to sustain us and protect us. Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This means that we too can overcome our troubles, but we have to listen to God's voice and obey his will. We have to trust in his power and his presence. We have to fight with courage and faith. We will have to overcome overcome significant challenges to enter and possess the promises that God says are already ours. Now, hopefully, a whole life doesn't feel like a fight, because I don't believe that's what God wants for us either. But we are going to have to contend with some stuff. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 12, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Eternal life was already his, but he still had to fight as do we. We have to fight to maintain our faith, to maintain our hope, to maintain our love, our families. We can't allow the enemy to steal from us what God has promised us. So we got to fight with every fiber of our being. We got to fight with our minds, hearts, and bodies. We got to fight with our prayers, our praise and worship, and our words and wisdom. We got to fight with our obedience, our perseverance, and our faithfulness. And we don't give up or give in until we see the promises of God fulfilled in our lives. Last thing I want to say, I know some of us are not fighters, and I guess I just came ready to fight today, but that's okay too. You don't need to fear because we don't fight alone. You don't need to fear if you're not a fighter because we don't fight alone. This fight is different. God is with us every step of the way. He is our strength and our shield. Oh, you stumbling? You feel yourself getting knocked down? You think you're in trouble? That's okay because he is our ever-present help in times of trouble. Let's not be discouraged or dismayed by the challenges we face. Let's remember that God is for us and that he will fulfill everything he said he would. If we handle our faith, God will handle our fight. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word and for your promises to provide, protect, preserve, purify, and even punish us when we are out of hand. Lord, we thank you for your presence that is with us and for your power that is at work in us and for us. Lord, we confess that sometimes we face troubles and challenges that seem too hard for us to overcome. Lord, we confess that sometimes we feel afraid or discouraged, defeated or weary in the fight. Lord, we confess that sometimes we fail to listen to your voice, even though you are telling us exactly what we need to do. Lord, please forgive us now and renew us by your grace that is sufficient for us in every situation. Lord, we ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit again. Give us moxie and swag and courage and confidence. Lord, we ask that you would help us in the good fight of faith to take hold of the eternal life that you have called us to. Lord, we affirm that you are our God and we are your people. We affirm that you are our strength and our shield. Lord, we affirm that you are our ever-present help in times of trouble. Lord, we trust you. We pray you for your goodness and your glory, and we will seek your face and your kingdom above all else. Lord, we know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through you. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you, Lord, 
for your omnipresence. We thank you for your omniscience. We thank you for your omnipotence. Lord, we thank you for just being you. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And our affirmation for today, I draw near to God and he draws near to me. I resist the devil and he flees from me. I draw near to God and he draws near to me. I resist the devil and he flees from me. And our aphorism, God's wisdom is not the accumulation of knowledge. It is the application of truth. Thank you for joining me on this journey. You belong here and we belong together on this journey. I love you and I'll be right here tomorrow waiting for you.